Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. front of the cameras, we all hate each other. Behind the scenes, it's a business. Every day we're going into a revolution. We're in the revolution. Now the question is, who's going to win? We'll let them do. They know just how much latitude their department gives them on abusing citizens. They do it because they know they can. They do it because they know, they know they will get away with it. This country is a good country, but this country is not the greatest country on earth. You know, we've been told from the time we go into school that this is the greatest country on earth, that there's a piece of cloth hanging from a pole with stripes on it, and we should be willing to die to defend a piece of cloth. And our country is founded on murder. As soon as we stepped on this continent, we started murdering people. You know, we've had the stain of slavery. We've almost exterminated our native population. And um, our country is constantly, constantly at war or, or um, covertly murdering other people. And um, this, this military-industrial complex is only to make people rich. You know, don't sign up. Don't put yourself in the hands of the, the maniacs in power who care nothing for you. They care nothing for you. They care nothing for your family. And when you go over to Iraq, they hope you die because then they don't have to pay you your VA benefits. Another thing I would tell you is that your recruiter, whatever he says to you, is a lie. He's only telling you this to get you to sign up because he has quotas to make and he doesn't care about you either. And the last thing I would say is, don't do it to your mom. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Guerrilla Activism Radio, the truth of the news and the news of the truth. Guerrilla Activism Radio is an affiliate of Truth-Media, 
www.ghostbusters.info. Here you will find an accumulation of the truth that has either snuck past the mass media by real agents of truth or that has been collected by myself and others like me through our own investigation. I'd like to welcome you, you all to a very special night. My name is Miguel, and I will be your host tonight alongside my co-host, Eric. How are you doing, Eric? Hey, Miguel. How are you? Today we have a very, very special guest on Guerrilla Activism Radio. We have Miss Cindy Sheehan. Ms. Cindy Sheehan is an American anti-war activist. She's a writer of several books, I believe about seven books. She's the mother of four, including uh, specialist Casey Austin Sheehan, who was killed tragically in Iraq of 2004. Um, recently, uh, our group here, Peace Group in Jersey City, called Jersey City Peace Movement, has awarded Ms. Sheehan uh, the Peace and Progress Award for 2012. Uh, Ms. Sheen is also a former candidate for Congress. She ran against Nancy Pelosi. And very recently, in the 2012 election, she ran for Vice President of the United States of America. So welcome, Cindy Sheehan. And also, that, that was a clip um, from an interview that she did called Before You Sign Up. Mm-hmm. Everyone f- feel free to get into the chat room and submit any questions that you'd like us to ask Ms. Ms. Sheehan when, when we get her on the, on the show. Absolutely. We always have a very vibrant chat going on in our chat room. It's right on our website, guerrillaactivism.blogspot.com, in case people are just listening in the room. I'll give everybody a little bit of background about Cindy Sheehan. Um, She's an American anti-war activist, of course, whose son, U.S. Army Specialist Casey Sheehan, was killed by enemy action during the Iraq War. And uh, Cindy was, was very vocal, probably became the most uh, outspoken person initially against the war in Iraq, and she attracted national and international media attention uh, in 2005 for her anti-war protests at a camp that she called Camp Casey in honor of her son outside of President George W. Bush's Texas ranch. And uh, she, she garnered much support because there never was much support for the Iraq war. People were vehemently against it, uh, even as there was this phony debate going on in Congress. Uh, people were calling in to their, to their Congress persons at the time, and even the, the Congress people who ultimately voted for the war had said that the 60, 70, 80 percent of the calls and letters they were getting were telling them to vote against the war in Iraq. Now, as we all know, the, you're supposed to vote with your constituents, and most of these, if not every single one of uh, the people who, who voted for it, did not listen to their constituents at all. So, you know, we thank Cindy for all her, for all her work. Um, she also ran, as I mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago, um, she ran for Congress in 2008. And she's also been a very, very vocal critic of uh, the current president's, uh, Barack Obama's, foreign policies. Um, she has a memoir out called Peace Mom. So we'll talk to Cindy about all these topics and much more. Cindy Sheen has also been uh, you know, a very good friend to Jersey City Peace Movement here. Uh, early on, uh, when, when we were just starting out, I believe we were only two or three years old, and uh, we, several members went to New York, and we saw Cindy Sheehan speak at some church. It wasn't Riverside Church, but somewhere in New York. And she gave us a, a few quotes that we took back to our, our group in, in, uh, in Jersey City here. And we were allowed to use Cindy's quote on our 
on our flyers that we handed out, and um, it was very good as a as a, uh, a tool that we used to to grow. People were very impressed by by that, and we always you know thank Cindy Sheehan for for that. She's also uh, marched and uh, spoken at rallies here in New York. Uh, she came uh, April 9th, uh, several years ago. There was a big anti-war rally to bring the troops home. It was uh, called for and organized by the United National Anti-War Coalition, uh, UNAC, and uh, Cindy was, was very involved in that in New York uh, City. Uh, we marched from Union Square down Broadway, um, and that was, that was very uh, very powerful a few years ago. So, you know, we need to keep the, uh, our, our activism up. You know, we don't need to go away when presidents change and it goes from, you know, from Coca-Cola to Pepsi, you know, when it goes from Democrat to Republican. We've got to keep, we've got to keep at it. And Cindy certainly has, and Miguel certainly has, and Georgia City Peace Movement certainly has. In July 2007, uh, Cindy Sheehan announced she would run against the Speaker of House, Nancy Pelosi, for representative of California's 8th District. Um, based on Pelosi's failure to attempt to impeach George W. Bush. Up until her run for U.S. Congress, she and lived outside Pelosi's district. Um, in earlier 2006, she had spoken of ambitions to challenge Dianne Feinstein for her seat in the United States Senate. So uh, Ms. Sheehan, she ran on a platform of single-payer health care, media reform, overturning all free trade agreements, repealing the really anti-American Patriot Act, or the USA Patriot Act. Uh, we always have to remember that USA, people sometimes just write it as Patriot Act, but the entire anagram, it's U-S-A-P-A-T, it's USA Patriot Act. Uh, she ran on a platform that included renewable energy, nationalizing oil and electricity, ending the war on drugs, legalizing, legalizing cannabis, ensuring all talks in the Middle East are fair to all parties, ending torture, closing Guantanamo Bay, uh, and also um, a commitment uh, to cleaning up uh, Superfund sites, ending deregulation, ending No Child Left Behind, and legalizing same-sex marriage. Uh, Ms. Sheehan unfortunately lost the 208 election to the incumbent Nancy Pelosi. Uh, it was a seven-way race. Uh, Ms. Sheehan came in second, with over 45,000 votes, about 16%. Very good, thank you. We just got word that Machine is just calling back into the show, and she should be on in a few minutes. Uh, so let me uh, take a little time to give you a little more background on Machine. Um, unfortunately, her son, Casey Austin Sheehan, uh, who is who's killed in Iraq, uh, he, he um, is buried in uh, California. Um, in, in May of 2006, um, the family and his, his mother finally provided a tombstone um, at his grave, and uh, Cindy Sheehan paid for the tombstone herself. And she stated, quote, it is important for the rest of Casey's family to have one. I guess the pain of seeing it etched in marble that he is dead is another pain I will have to deal with, unquote. Um, Cindy Sheehan maintains that the U.S. government should have paid for it. Uh, this is a quote. Uh, should have paid for it because of its responsibility for his death. Unquote. Let's see. Um, upon his death, uh, Casey Sheehan was awarded the Purple Heart and the Bronze Star with V for Valor posthumously 
for his actions April 4th, 2004. So that's a little background about uh, her son who was tragically killed in 2004. Um, I can also um, tell everyone that while we're getting Cindy Sheehan, you know, sometimes there's little technical difficulties here. Uh, Cindy's on, on the West Coast. We're on the East Coast. Um, Cindy, uh, the Gold Star Families for Peace, of which uh, Ms. Sheehan is a founding member, released a TV commercial featuring Cindy Sheehan. And um, it's been broadcast, you know, many times. Uh, the group, uh, group conducted a walk to a police station just outside George Bush's ranch and delivered a bundle of oversized letters written to them to the First Lady Laura Bush, appealing to her as a mother to support their movement. So she's been very active on very many levels and still is. She puts her heart and soul into her activism. So again, it looks like we're having a little bit of technical difficulty right now. I believe Miguel is working with Cindy Sheehan on, in, the other, in our tech room right now. Um, I will just uh, let everybody know that we're going to be speaking very soon to Cindy Sheehan, American anti-war activist, peace and justice activist, writer of seven books, mother of four, including specialist Casey Austin Sheehan, who was tragically killed in Iraq in 2004. She is also the recipient of the Jersey City Peace Movement Peace and Progress Award for 2012, and we will be putting up a website. We had over 30 recipients of the Peace and Progress Award this year, so we'll be putting up a special website that's in honor of all all those um, who were awarded this year, 2000, uh, well, actually last year, uh, just recently, uh, December 2012. Um, and also she's a former candidate, I've mentioned a few times already, for Congress, and she's also uh, recently uh, ran for Vice President of the USA with Roseanne Barr as her running mate. Who, Roseanne Barr was running for President of the United States, and as you remember, everybody knows Roseanne Barr as a television personality. She had a talk show before that, uh, she had a very, very, very popular, extremely funny and well-written and produced um, sitcom called Roseanne. And before that, she was a stand-up comedian, but she's a brilliant writer, Roseanne Barr. And, uh, you know, she's pretty politically savvy and very controversial on a lot of issues. Um, Eric? Yeah, hi, Cindy. How are you? Hi. I didn't know when I could interrupt you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. At any point. Sometimes I can hear you and sometimes I can't hear you, but now I can hear you. And uh, Miguel said to to break in and say hello. Absolutely. Sorry, I was just, you know, rambling on. Thank you so much for joining us, Cindy. I, we really, really appreciate it here at Guerrilla Activism Radio. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm glad we finally uh, could get together on this. Wonderful, wonderful. So I guess we'll we'll jump right in. I know we, we have you for about, I guess, 45 minutes or an hour, as long as you're available. that That's fine right. with us. Well, yeah, yeah, about 40 more minutes. I was only available till 5.30 so, or 8.30, okay. your time, whatever time it is right now where you are. 7.30, sure. whatever yes, time. Yeah, 7.50 right now. That, that's fine. Yeah. 40 minutes is perfect. So... Um, I guess we'll start off, if, if you could, Cindy, you know, tell us a little bit about you, what you want people to know about yourself, about your background, and, and what catapulted you into being uh, an anti-war activist, a peace and justice activist. Well, I, um, you know, was born in California during the height of the Cold War in 1957, and 
I was born and raised here in a working class family. And, you know, the propaganda and the conditioning is so immense that I always believed that we were um, in the middle class. And, you know, we were pretty, pretty poor, especially for that time where there was a lot, there seemed to be a lot of um, prosperity. But, you know, we had a roof overhead. We had enough to eat. Stay at home mom. And my dad was an electrician. So I was, um, went to California public schools, uh, you know, my entire life. And uh, I had um, got married when I was only 19. I'd been with... I had been with my um, husband, who's my ex-husband now, since I was just turned 17. So um, right away, like I was 21 and I had Casey, and then we had three more children, uh, one after the other for, you know, the next six and a half years I was pregnant or nursing a baby. And I went back to school when my children were a little bit older to UCLA, uh, studying U.S. history. I never, you know, I also grew up in a time of great unrest. So there was a lot of, especially around where I lived, um, I was really close to the Watts uprising. You know, even wow. though we were we were in a sub- suburb of Los Angeles that was very, um, you know, uh, it wasn't diverse when I was growing up, that's for sure. But we didn't live that far from the Watts uprisings or, you know, a lot of campus unrest. Uh, I was I was too young to be a part of the anti-Vietnam War movement, but I certainly sure. sympathized with it a lot. And, you know, never really trusted the government, but, you know, I never really thought, thought or knew it was as bad as, as I've discovered since Casey was killed. And uh, I was against the wars. I was against George Bush. You know, some of the right-wingers would like to say that I was pro-war before Casey was killed, but that's certainly not the case. And after Casey was killed, I just got to had time to, because sometimes before Casey was killed, I was working three jobs. My ex-husband wow. was a was an independent contractor, so he didn't have insurance. So, you know, sometimes I would have to work three jobs just so our family could have health insurance. And um, so anyway... Casey was killed, and then I really knew, you know, had time to investigate further and started to learn more about the U.S. empire. And, of course, what I discovered uh, has has been very eye-opening to me, that's for sure. I guess I would have started out an anti-Iraq war, anti-George Bush activist, but now I would consider myself an anti-empire pro-justice activist. Hi, Cindy. Yeah, it's, it's Miguel. I'm, I'm here also. R- really quick question. I, I know some people, a lot of people have a um, a problem when, 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 you know, people like yourself or, or even um, Eric and I, we we call the U.S. an empire. Can, can you can you tell, can you get a little bit more into that? What, why, why is it that you call the U.S. an empire? Well, I mean, we have about at the minimum of about 800 bases around the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we go into a country militarily, we never leave that country. We control um, at least the area where our bases are and the community surrounding it. I've been to Okinawa in Japan and how the activists there, in fact, you know, everybody on the island that's not, 
uh, U.S. Uh, troop or support for the troops are against having our bases there. And, and so empire from the very earliest time, of course, was used to spread uh, corporatism, you know, to open markets for uh, capitalism. And so I think that that's basically uh, what we're doing. And I think we're very uh, classically, uh, we can call ourselves an empire from the Roman time to the British empire to all, you know, all kinds of different spreading war and destruction for profit. I don't know what else that we can call it. I, I agree with you 100%. And, and you're totally right when you say that one, once we land on the shores of a certain country, whether we're there to help them or to help their enemy, we never leave. And a lot of the time, we actually cause more damage to the natives of that land uh, than, than, than do any help for them. Well, even here in our own country, every uh, major U.S. base is a is a super fun site. I've been uh, to uh, Indian, uh, you know, Indian reservations. I've been to Hawaii, where uh, the native population there can't even swim in the in Pearl Harbor because it's so toxic. So yeah, even here in our own country, we've um, spoiled spoiled the land and, um, you know, hurt it for the indigenous people. I, I just got arrested this past year in 2012 uh, trying to shut down a, a test launch from Vandenberg Air Force Base. And Vandenberg Air Force Base sits on some of the most sacred ground to our indigenous people. It's the western gate um, to... Uh, you know, their spirit world there, and they can't even get to it. They've wow. been kicked off their land, and, you know, so it is it's just a, it's a, and, <laughs> you know, a lot of people, and Eric is really active on my Facebook wall, and he, he knows that a lot of people would like to argue that the country lost its way when the Federal Reserve was instituted in 1913 or whenever it was, or when Kennedy was assassinated. But ask our indigenous brothers and sisters, or ask the Mexicans, or ask, you know, anybody else when we became an empire. The African people, right? Yeah, exactly. Cindy, we, we really appreciate and enjoy your your seriousness and always bringing it back to reality. A lot of groups and a lot of, you know, uh, anti-war or, you know, pro-peace groups, they don't want to go back to... The, the Native Americans genocide. They don't want to go back to, you know, bring up slavery. And I'm so glad that, that you did. We played a clip of you at the beginning of the show, and you're, you're talking about the genocide of the Native American population and, you know, and, and the African uh, slave uh, atrocities that happened here. So I'm so glad that you, you always ground us there. We had a, a few questions from, from people, uh, listeners uh, of uh, Guerrilla Activism Radio, so uh, the first question that I'll give you um, is from, from uh, a friend. He's a, a, a main organizer with the Occupy movement, Occupy Wall Street here. And uh, he also uh, live streams. Uh, his name is Michael Pelagati. And he just wanted to ask, um, what have you been up to lately? Like in the last few months, what has Cindy Sheehan been doing um, you know, herself? I, I, I believe you had mentioned to me that you had written or you were going to write a new book. So I don't know if you want to mention a little bit of that too, but... He was just curious, what have you been doing lately? Well, uh, thank you. Well, of course, <laughs> until November or whatever, I was running for vice president of the United States. <laughs> and that was like one of the best kept secrets in the country. But um, 
I, I wrote a book and I published it last year called Revolutional Love Story. And that's about Hugo Chavez and the Bolivarian Revolution in Venezuela. And so I thought that my run with Roseanne might be able to talk about those issues, uh, you know, about about social about revolutionary socialism. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what I've been trying to concentrate on. I, I was out on book tour with that a lot. And um, and then, of course, I'm um, putting the finishing touches on my new book called I Left My Marbles in San Francisco, The Scandal, <laughs> the scandal of Federal Politics. And it's about uh, mostly my run against Pelosi with a very long chapter about my um, run for vice president right now uh, that I just completed. But, it, you know, it's, it's about how... The whole, the entire system is uh, profoundly, almost insurmountably stacked against regular people like us that don't that don't belong to the war party, which is the Democrats or the Republicans, or you know, for your friend who asked this question, the party of the party of Wall Street, the Democrats or Republicans. So if you're not coming in and and you don't have millions of dollars behind you or the support of one of the major parties, then it's practically impossible to break into the system. And I learned that when I ran against Pelosi. And like I said, the only reason I accepted the nomination for vice president was not thinking that there was any way that we would win, but that we could start talking about these ideas because it's going to take a grassroots people's movement to change. And constantly being sucked into uh, partisan politics is not ever going to change anything. Mm. Now that leads me to the second question. Uh, this is a, a young gentleman. His name is Jeffrey Wong, and he actually lives in Hong Kong. Uh, his his question was, you know, I, I mean, you might have just answered it. How do you think America should go about fixing its political system? Well, I actually think it has to take... Uh, it's going to be a revolution or a collapse of, of the empire. And since we all, everybody on this call has identified it as an empire, we know that there has been no empire that has not collapsed. And we are, I think we're really, not we, but I think the empire is on a trajectory for collapse. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. But what I, you know, would hope would happen was would be that um, the country and the politics and the system would final, finally belong to the people. And we can only do that through organizing right now, through um, community organizing, real fundamental, effective community organizing, and, and do some political organizing, but outside of the Democrat and Republican Spheres because we know that, you know, the, a collapse, a, a really good collapse would mean that their system would collapse too, and we'd be able to organize for something that is more uh, healthy for not just us, but for the people of the world. The collapse of the empire, no matter what happens, it's going to be tough. But hmm. if we are doing the work now that we need to be doing with, uh, you know, food security with uh, local economies, like local trade, local um, currency. I've been in many communities that have local currency. Uh, doing things like that, then it won't be so hard um, on us. 
I think the hardest people it's going to be on is the one the one percent. Yeah. You know, because uh, you know, let's face it. We are the ninety nine percent. Most of us don't have that far to fall. You know, if the empire collapses, I just like fall an inch and you know go out and get eggs from my chickens or pick sure. you know stuff out of my garden. <laughs> you know. So anyway, I think so. If and and if it's not a collapse, uh, because what we've seen, especially since Obama's been president is the empire, uh, the the establishment, the status quo, whatever you want to call them, they've been doing everything they can to shore up capitalism, right? Mm. And so I think that the foundation is very, very shaky, and they know that there's not much more they can do. I think that the upcoming uh, attack against Social Security and Medicare is going to be a big wake-up call for people. And so, you know, hopefully that we can do the organizing we need to do so the empire doesn't collapse on us, but we rise like a phoenix out of the ashes to something much better and much brighter for the planet, for the environment, and for everybody. Absolutely. Now, you tackle a lot of very, very heavy issues, um, as as I mentioned uh, several times earlier. Uh, One of them that you are are very... uh, vocal about is is uh the crimes of the state of israel um you mm-hmm. know we want we always make it clear on our show and you know we know each other and and other groups that we're, we're involved in um it's nothing uh, you know anti-semitic or anti-jewish at all we're we're just stating the, the policies of a particular government just like we condemn our own government we also can condemn what israel is doing in our name because let's face it u.s gives the most in tax dollars and in uh, weapons supplies up to this point uh, to the state of Israel. So um, you're very vocal about what Israel does. Uh, that That's a very, you know, controversial topic uh, from, for many people. And also um, just your, your outspokenness, um, and rightfully so, about the current President Obama, because I know in your eyes, as in my eyes and Miguel's eyes, he's done nothing but continue you know, I don't see it as the second term of, of Barack Obama. I see it as the fourth term of George W. Bush because he's continued most of, if not all, of George Bush's policies and also implementing some extremely detrimental policies of his own, including the NDAA and you know, signing, of course, the largest war budgets in the history of the globe. So mm-hmm. how, do you, how, how do you handle uh, persons or people who, who may attack people like myself and Miguel and, you know, many other people, you know, I, we can go on and on, you know, Ramsey Clark or, or Ralph Nader or, you know, uh, people who do dare to critique uh, what the Israeli government is doing in our name mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, um, and also critique, um, you know, the people who, who uh, say, oh, you're ex- you know, whatever expletive they want to use against us because we dare to have the, have the chutzpah to critique the President Barack Obama. How, how do you handle those people? Well, it's been uh, very hard to be a peace activist and organizer since probably around 2007 when the Democrats took back control of the House of Representatives using, you know, by the way, the anti-war movement and the popular, uh, um, what do you say, the popular 
George Bush wasn't popular. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. And all. mostly because of the wars, right? And mostly because mm-hmm. the anti-war movement was able to put that into the face of the public for the for, for the first time um, in a, in a long time. And so it's been super hard to organize because people, like I said in the question earlier, you know, if we don't organize outside of partisan politics and organize based on our principles, then nothing is going to change. And I could have, in 2007, I could very easily have uh, become one of those uh, support what the Democrats do. And I might, you know, I think I've thought about this a lot, that if I had done that, I'd probably be in Congress right now as a Democrat. And so I was very, very, uh, I don't want to say I was popular with the Democrats, but they recognized the power of the movement, right? Right. The liberal Democrats. So, mm-hmm. But then when the Democrats came into power and betrayed the movement, I had choice. I chose my principles over partisan politics, and I left the party. And so since then, it's been super-duper hard, especially since Obama's been president. I think in the first month of his term, I lost about 80,000 supporters. I remember I had just come off of a pretty successful congressional run, even though we didn't win. We raised a lot of money. We raised a lot of hell. We got a lot of votes. Mm-hmm. So I had um, probably around 180, 200,000 people on my email list. When the, within the first month, they all uh, abandoned me because that's also when I started my radio show, Cindy Sheehan Soapbox, and where I wouldn't stop shutting up about all of the um, bad crap that Obama was doing. And mm. so I, I have, uh, I'm a human being. And as a human being, I want everybody to love me. But, you know, on the other hand, I've developed this really thick skin and know that I have to love myself first and I have to be able to live with myself first. So people call me racist. People call me anti-Semitic. People, oh, Cindy, you're just like a Republican. Are you a Republican now? Because I criticize (laughs) the president and blah, 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 blah. They're just ignorant hypocrites. Or they're uh, because, and they admit, some of these people admit to me, if it were McCain or or Romney doing the same thing, they wouldn't support it. But since it's their guy doing it, then he must have a good reason for it and they have to support it. And if they don't support it, then a Republican might come into office. You know, you called um, Obama's second term, George Bush's fourth term. I call it George Washington's nth term. <laughs> you know, it's the same policies of the one percent, right? And and then I'll be, I'll say that Obama has probably been our um, best Republican president since Clinton. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, right on. It seemed to me, uh, observation that you know, again, they just seem to drop you like a hot potato. And I mean, the liberal Democrats, you know, the people who are so happy to create Move On, you know, this group, I, I don't want to start bashing, but let's let's call mm-hmm. things what they are. You know, moveon.org, which, you know, I'm still on their email list. I just joined, you know, like many of us were on many email lists, but mm-hmm. it was created against George Bush and they're silent, not a peep out of them against drones, about, uh, you know, these, these war budgets. Uh, now that a Democrat... And so your, your critique is absolutely right. And it's, I feel it's shameful. 
that these groups that were created against war, really, and this corruption in government um, are silent when a Democrat, when their guy is in there. I, you're absolutely right. To me, it's very hypocritical. But it also seemed that they dropped you when you did start to critique, not not in a very nasty way, but in a very logical and, and thoughtful way about what Israel was doing. So, I, I, you know, it, 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 I don't know. It just seems, um, you know... Meanwhile, people are still being killed. Wars are still rampaging on. Drones are still killing innocent Pakistani and you know Yemeni's children, and not not only children, men and women. You know, because we're all we're all born of children. We're all children, essentially. Um, I have uh, another question here from from one of our listeners. His name is Imran, and uh, he asked, what, "What are your feelings on the Second Amendment and quote unquote the right to bear arms?" Oh gosh, no, not, you're not ta- we're not talking about anything too controversial today, are we? Okay, <laughs> now let's go Second Amendment. Um, I have like I have like a very I think um, balanced view about it. I um, and my party, I belong to the Peace and Freedom Party here in California. It's the Socialist Revolutionary Party. We support the right to bear arms to defend ourselves against the government. And however, I don't think that that, that happens too often. You know, with the the people who say, "Oh, you know, I need my I need my uh, Glock or whatever to defend myself against the police state," I don't see that happening. What I see is they're turned against. We we turn them against each other, and so. Um, I think that I support background checks. I support a waiting period. I don't understand why anybody needs uh, assault weapons. However, I'm not for disarming the citizens when the police state is so heavily armed. I'm not, I think if we're gonna um, disarm anybody, uh, the military and the cops should be disarmed first, and then I think we would have a safer world. What, what do you think about the, the, the link between the mass shootings of these uh, students um, you know, in, in, in recent years, the, the ties between the actual shooters and the pharmaceutical medication? Do you, do you think that that needs to be um, you know, investigated further, or should we just continue the, the debate between whether or not people should be armed? Which one do you think is more important? I think, um, first of all, I don't think the debate belongs um, taking guns away from citizens. I think it, the debate belongs to with uh, immense and disproportional violence from the top down here in the United States, where uh, we have a culture of violence, and you know people can't say that we don't because we do, but. Um, I think that, yeah, I think that, of course, that's one link that the corporate lamestream media is not talking about. They're not talking about the pharmaceuticals and um, the things that, that, and I'm not so sure about the Sandy Hook shooter. I've heard different things, whether he was on medication or he wasn't on medication. But I think that that is a more important thing that we need to talk about. You know, we need to talk about, um, the over-medication of children in general, right, where right. children act like children 
they want to put them on Ritalin or something, and it's so harmful and so dangerous. And, you know, so we want to turn our kids into a bunch of um, zombies or out-of-control maniacs that think it's okay to go and shoot a school up. So, no, I think that that, that is the bigger issue. And then it talks about health care. You know, we need to talk about uh, the health care system in this com- country and the lack of access to it, to it and mental health, um, healthy mental health programs and, and healthy health programs that we need to start talking about. Let me ask you a quick, a quick question, uh, Cindy. I, I've been watching a, a number of videos um, for a couple of years now of, of your work. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Um, one of, one of the, the videos that I, I, I um, watched a, a number of times was the, the speech you gave at Occupy Bohemian Grove. Uh-huh. Um, a, many, many people, <clears throat> excuse me, even to this day, still have no idea what the Bohemian Grove is, who attends it, and things like this. And I was extremely happy to see you there, that, that you were there representing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what exactly the Bohemian Grove is and um, how, what, what was your experience like there? Well, the Bohemian Grove is a like a men's club. And these men go there once a year, I think for two weeks or something, or maybe even longer, I don't know. But it's like, to me, it's it's all uh, influential men. Uh, Kissinger is a right. member. Right, Bill uh, Clinton. Yeah, all those kinds of people. And mm-hmm. the rich people and the influential politicians and their advisors. And so, um, to me, it's whenever these people get together, they're planning bad stuff for us. I don't care if they go to walk around naked and pee on trees. They get together and they network and they um, plan bad things for the rest of us, whether it's Bohemian Grove or the G20 or NATO or World Bank or Or Bilderberg. Yeah, the IMF, whatever. These people are up to no good. And so that's kind of where the protest that was called, what the Occupy Bohemian Grove protest was called in that aspect. And then uh, there was protest there for years uh, from people uh, on the left, I think radicals on the left. And then Alex Jones goes down and starts talking about them eating babies and doing all kinds of weird stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it got turned into, uh, you know, some big conspiracy theory or whatever. But um, I just went because it was the 1% getting together to plan bad stuff against us. And and that's that's basically what Bohemian Grove is. I rode there. And it's about a, I don't know, about a two or three hour, maybe two hour drive from where I live. But I rode there. It was very interesting because the comrade who picked me up is from um, uh, east of Sacramento, but he grew, his father was the, like, manager of Bohemian Grove. Uh, He he grew up in San Francisco. And so his father uh, was, uh, you know, like a functionary. So He's very well versed in what happens and what goes on, and he says that the biggest thing is they bring in a lot of prostitutes. Yeah, I heard that you as know, well. It's not like they're sacrificing babies or you know have have little boys or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And and if they are, <laughs> I know that they're not. But you know the the big thing is 
So they don't sacrifice and kill babies there, but they kill babies all over the world. Please, come on. Right, and that and that we can prove with without a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely. Right. Now you met you you your words that these corporations and these evil men mostly are up to no good, quote unquote. Um, I'd like to talk, you to talk about, if you will, if you can. I don't know if you legally can, but if you're comfortable, please talk about your uh, harassment from the Internal Revenue Service, which most of the part, most of the time, a vast majority of the time, is up to no good. Um, are you are you able to talk a little bit about your tax resistance uh, efforts? Oh sure, uh, I, and I actually want it to be a movement, not just. Uh, mm. And there's a lot. We don't know how many people do tax resistance because a lot of people don't want to be public about it because they're afraid of the IRS. But um, when Casey was killed in 2004, uh, I immediately, because he was killed April 4th, and of course tax day is April 15th, we buried him on April 14th. And I immediately became ashamed that I had ever paid my taxes to this government because I felt, and I've been wanting to be a tax resistor since I was in UCLA and, and had read the words of Henry David Thoreau, I was very inspired by him and by his message. But my ex-husband uh, was, a, you know, by the book. You know, we have to we have to follow we have to follow the laws. We have to follow the book, whatever. And so anyway, uh, I be, I became immediately ashamed that I had supported this government in any way, contributed to the killing of my own son and millions of other people, really. And so I told my ex-husband, we were still married at the time, I said, I'm not going to pay my taxes anymore. He's like, well, if you're married to me, you have to. And I was like, well, that can be that can be rectified. And so he still pays his taxes. I don't, I haven't since Casey was killed. And I actually wow. was able to stay up, at, <laughs> stay uh, one step ahead of the IRS for a long, 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 long time. Hmm. Um, it's funny to me. People are so afraid of them. Like, like they have all these, you know, uh, mystic capabilities to find people that they didn't find me for nine years almost. <laughs> and I, wow. I have a website. <laughs> you know, I'm like one of the most visible people in the world, and they couldn't find me. And so last year, they found me, and I was I had a summons. I had to go to court. Um, they keep on fishing for, I guess, my millions that I have stashed away somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I refuse to cooperate with them. I refuse to cooperate with my own um, persecution. And so I've taken the Fifth Amendment, you know, my right to not incriminate myself. And it was interesting. The last time I was there with the IRS, when I was walking out, I was walking out with um, one of the, the, what, the U.S. attorneys who are assigned to my case. And I'm in Sacramento. The, the district court is in Sacramento, the federal court's in Sacramento. And... I'm sure they have many U.S. attorneys in Sacramento, but they claim this is in a political um, persecution, but they sent attorneys from Washington, D.C. To, to prosecute me or persecute me. And so I'm walking out with this uh, one U.S. attorney, and on the door that in, within minutes of the time my appointment being over, they were having a, 
a lunch meeting about how um, some people in World War II, some Japanese internees here in the United States, refused to be drafted into the United States while they didn't have their, and you know, the, of course they were citizens of the United States born here, while they didn't have their civil rights. So it was called something like uh, conscience and the law or whatever. And I was like, how, how like appropriate. Mm-hmm. Here you're, I'm being persecuted for following my conscience and you guys are going to have a meeting about uh, this. So, <laughs> and I really like they, uh, they get my accounts this year. They've taken about $280 from me. Um, I don't have anything. I don't own anything. I've simplified my life to be able to do this um, so I don't lose everything. But I don't want one one penny of my money going to support a government that I don't support and the things that it does. And I'm not against taxes. I would pay my taxes if they went for education and health care and you know, all, uh, good things instead of destructive things like most of our money goes towards. Now, do you exactly. have do you have it, it, a do you have a lawyer uh, that uh, do they work pro bono or do you represent yourself or is it necessary to have? I, I guess it would be necessary to have a I'm lawyer. Really, for I'm really glad you asked that question. You know, I have my own podcast, and she hands up box. And two weeks ago. We had a call with the National War Tax Resistance Resistors Coordinating Committee, and they have been. They are nwtrcc.org. They have been enormous support for me. Um, they're very happy that somebody, you know, as visible as me, is willing to be as vocal as I am about it. And they have an attorney who advises them, and he's been advising me. But I also have a have to have attorney an attorney who's licensed in the state of California. So I do have a but he's an activist attorney that doesn't know that much about tax issues. So we're kind of like a team uh, working to um, get this get this taken care of. So I would advise anybody who's thinking about it to go to the National War Tax Resistance Coordinating Committee. Uh, website, get in touch with them. They're very available and um, they're very willing and knowledgeable. These people have been doing it since the Vietnam War, so they're very um, knowledgeable. They've been through everything. They can advise. They're very good with their advice and their support. Now, now you said that they, they were happy that you were vocal, um, very vocal about taking a stance against the uh, taxes. Now, one of one of the things that I was extremely happy to see that you you were extremely vocal about was the uh, the fact you know we, we you know Eric and I and a lot of activists over here in the New Jersey area were were very vocal about this as well, and again we were very happy to see that you were vocal as well um, about the death of Osama bin Laden being a hoax. Yeah. Um, that I mean, it, it, for, if anyone wants to do any research on that, it, he's he's been dead. What is it like thirteen times now? Exactly. And then all of a sudden now, oh my God, they finally got him. Obama got him. Obama got him. And then you, you know, you're, you're into. I, I forget which um, media outlet you had that interview on, but it was a great interview. I was extremely happy. Oh, uh, with Doctor Drew. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I with think that Dr. was it. Yeah. Drew, and then he tried yeah. to paint me as insane over grief, and so I wasn't thinking clearly. Wow. That, that man has had no idea what he was what he was talking Jackass. about. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, it, that's know, exactly what it was too. And I, I, again, I was very happy to, to see that that you were speaking out about that. You know, n- not only do we not believe 
that bogus story. I mean, no photos, no body, no, no, you know, they couldn't match it to any DNA. They didn't bring any body parts back. But we also don't believe the 9-11 quote-unquote official story. Right. Um, and I know, Cindy, you also question the official story on many levels. Um, do you want to talk like a minute about that? Well, first of all, even before my son was killed, I didn't believe that the Bush administration could uh, be truthful about anything. Mm. And I had done a, quite a bit of reading and research before, way before Casey was killed about you know things like the Kennedy assassination, Martin Luther King Jr., the Gulf of Tonkin. I mean, as a history, a U.S. history student, I've looked back, back and almost every war we've ever been in has been by uh, false flags or, or just lies or lying about something that actually did happen. So I didn't believe uh, the official story from the beginning. And um, so I've become more, a little more knowledgeable about the events of 9-11. And the only... You know, I'm not going to say that it was controlled demolition or or Dick Cheney planned it between heart attacks, but what, <laughs> I, do, <laughs> what I do want to say is that we need a valid investigation where the, you know, it's separate from um, the U.S. government, where there's transparency, where there's subpoena power. You know, I, I don't really think these people will ever tell the truth. But I know that um, we've been profoundly lied to, and I now I know that um, so many countries, and you know, we didn't even talk about Obama going into Africa and Africom, but so many countries are devastated, destroyed, or potentially on the list of um, destruction, and this 9/11 and Al Qaeda or Islamists or extremists are being. Uh, blamed for uh, all, or not being blamed, but being used as an excuse to do all of this stuff. Or the extremists and the violent terrorists reside at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and down the mall in Congress. So, so I mean, that's what we what we ultimately need to focus on is, like Martin Luther King Jr. said, the greatest purveyor of violence um, in the world today is my own government, and it hasn't changed in the past. 40 years. Exactly. Um, Cindy, I know you, you, you can't stay on too much longer. Um, you're, you're welcome to, but before you go, I would, if, if you would, uh, could you give us a message to today's activists, and also specifically, could you give a message directed to Jersey City Peace Movement members here? Well, I, I, I love you guys. I think you're on the right track there in Jersey City, and um, you're you're radical. You're clear thinkers. You're uh, independent of the political, the partisan political uh, stench that we have here in this country. I guess my message is that you know we have a lot of work to do, and this is a long haul, and just to take care of ourselves and take care of each other and to support people who are out in the streets doing the work and to, um, I don't know, just have fun when you're doing it too. And thank you mm. for what you're doing. And look, go to my website, com. 
I'm organizing a bike ride from California to Washington, D.C. called Tour de Peace, The Road Less Taken. And we're going to need a lot of support, a lot of people um, joining us, and we want to converge on Washington, D.C. on July 3rd. And we just want to surround the White House and, and make demands. In Obama's last inauguration um, bullcrap speech he gave, he said, um, it's time to act. So act, and that's what we're, we're calling people to do. And to really act in a principled way and not in a, a cravenly, cravenly, cowardly, um, hypocritical way. Get in touch with your core values. If your core values don't match the U.S. government, then let's do something about it. Quick, quick question um, about the your run for the 2012 uh, vice presidential candidacy with Roseanne Barr. Um, how, how do you how do you know Roseanne? And also, how come you know I, you know Eric and I are adamant supporters of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we would have rather actually had you as the president and her as vice president. Right. <laughs> we're such huge fans of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and how how do you know Roseanne? Actually, how did you two meet? Well, um, we met a long time ago at a Michael Moore event in in Hollywood. And hello. Yes. Okay, I yep, heard sure. some very distracting. And so um, she supported my candidacy for Congress when I ran against Nancy Pelosi. And she's been on my show um, many times. And, you know, we, co- we connect in a way as mothers and grandmothers and radical um, thinkers. But um, the, the party, Peace and Freedom Party, nominated her for the presidency, you know, even though they knew for months that I would have been the nominee if they had asked me to be the nominee. I guess they, (laughs) I guess they wanted a celebrity or something, but um, that's going to be a chapter in my new book. I left my marbles in San Francisco, so I don't want to give too much of of what happened. You got to get Tony Bennett to do the uh, remix or something for that. Yeah, I know. Huh? He's a he's a good guy. Oh, he's one very progressive, he's by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Cindy, okay, can you also, uh, I got. I have to go now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Cindy, thank you so so much from the bottom of my heart. We're sending all our love to you, and 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 our compassion. And you know, God bless your son, and thank you for all your work and all your family. Not only Casey, but your entire family. You know, thank you for everything, and uh, you know. This is really it means so much to us that you came on our show. And and Miguel, well, guys, do you have anything? Mm-hmm. Like I said, thank you to Jersey City Peace Movement and yourselves for what you do too to keep the the fire lit for peace and for justice. Cindy, th- thank you so much for being so vocal about all, all of these issues. And uh, once again, thank you for Eric and myself for for coming onto the show. Okay, thank you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, okay. have a good night. Good night. Okay, good you night. too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Guerrilla Activism Radio with Miss Cindy Sheehan. That was a great uh, show, Miguel. Great show, Miguel. With a little bit of technical difficulties at the beginning, but well worth it. Well worth it. So yes, much again, information. I apologize for that. <laughs> mm. It was actually t- damn. I wish I would have had that one. I had one last question I wanted to ask her uh, concerning her her occupying the White House lawn. Oh. And, uh, 
And th- th- didn't you call her the the uh, the darling saint of the Occupy movement? Yeah, the patron saint. You know, she was really patron to saint. me. She she was the first, um, maybe even a spark. You know, it might have been subconscious. It might have been a national subconscious. I mean, here's this woman who's grieving, and she decided to literally occupy George Bush's property, the president's property at the time. You know, his ranch, and for months and months and months. And Cindy Sheehan was there. She was a presence. She was a name. She was all over the media. She was international, global. Everybody knew Cindy Sheehan and that ranch. This woman, at the height of it, when people were tying yellow ribbons from tree to shining tree all across this United States, she was there protesting the war. Now, a lot of us, most of the, again, most of the country did not support the war. That's a fallacy that most people did. They had to hype it up in the media. They had to hype it up with these yellow ribbons. Um, and, and yes, I, I, I refer to her as the patron saint of the Occupy movement because years and years later, thank God, you know, it takes a while for movements to build, but thank God um, this movement did build, this Occupy movement. And, and it was so powerful, uh, and I think partially sparked by a Cindy Sheehan who had done it in her way decade, uh, not decades, uh, years earlier. It was so powerful. It was so powerful, Miguel. You and I saw firsthand that it had to be pepper sprayed, beaten, tased down by these um, Orwellian uh, figures and characters that are controlling or trying to control our lives. The only problem is we know better, we're smarter, we're more compassionate than you are, we have more love in our heart, we know what the deal is, we know what the truth is, we don't buy your lies, and they know it. And that's, that's what f- puts fear in their hearts. That's why they have to beat down and go after people like Cindy Sheehan, who chooses not to pay uh, certain taxes. They go after people like... Uh, you know, our friend Yell, you know, Macer in the face. They go after people like Michael Pelagotti and, all, you know, people like Mumia, and you can go on and on, all the political activists, because we are so powerful. It's our idea that, that threatens them. You know, it, it, it was very important uh, that, that she was on the show because we've been, you know, here at Guerrilla Activism Radio, we've been very adamant of, of um, when her name comes up or even is brought up in conversation. Um, to remind everyone that she used to be, um, she used to have, like she like she mentioned on the show earlier, she had th- like thousands of supporters, tens of thousands of supporters. Um, and once she started speaking about certain issues that they didn't want brought up, she said it herself in her own words: about eighty thousand people. Now that's a lot of people. About eighty thousand people dropped her, like a hot potato, like Eric liked to say. Now. Like you know, this has been mentioned on the show a number of times, and just to hear it from her mouth, also to 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 clarify that that's exactly what happened was a great thing. Nice, it was, it was. She cleared up a lot of, you know, things that you and I know most people may not know. So it was very good for for them to hear firsthand, right from Cindy uh, herself. So you know, again, we want to say thank you to Cindy Sheehan. She's a you know recipient of the the JCPM Peace and Progress Award for 2012. And a website will be going up shortly with all the recipients' names on it, and we'll send that out to everybody, including including Cindy. And um, you know, we'll support her her event is tourdepeace.org, which is July 3rd. Anything that Cindy needs for us, you know, to support her with, uh, you know, publicity-wise, or we can even do another radio show, uh, Miguel, if that's possible. And you know, yeah, of course, it's closer to the date. Yeah. So and yeah, it, I, I think it's, I think I think it's pretty funny too that um, you know. When at first, because you know we all know about the Bohemian Grove. For, for those that that don't know, those, those 
those weird, um, you know, uh, the things that people talk about that concern Bohemian Grove, specifically individuals like that fearmonger Alex Jones, mm. um, stating that there's naked gay sex rituals with a huge um, owl on it. Now, I must admit, part of that, I mean, as crazy as that sounds, great gay rituals, you know, in robes and blah, 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 all mixed up in one, uh, you know, area that all of the influential pol- politicians and economists meet to, to have all this uh, secrecy. It's, you know, the straight, rituals, the straight rituals are the ones that scare me. No, I'm joking. Hey, you know, right. It's just, it's, it's, you know, it's weird. You know, whatever right. these gentlemen are doing, we know the one thing, what, whatever they choose to do, as long as it's legal and not with any children, of course, you know, right. who cares? Who cares what they do? But exactly. they're, they're, they're deciding supposedly global policy, world policy, you know, right. what's going on from country to country, which is actually a treasonous act if this is indeed what's going on there. And we know from... Mm-hmm people who have gone to Bohemian Grove, that that is what is talked about and what is done. Right. They make which agreements. Is, which, with is, mm-hmm. which is exactly why it's so important that, that she clarified yeah. um, that why she went there. No matter what, which is, I support that. No matter what the hell they're doing in there, they could be, you know, doing whatever the hell. But yeah. um, bottom line is that the 1%, those individuals who control our, our world, are making these decisions without having any input from the people that they affect, and they need to be exposed for that. And uh, I think it was great that, that, that she mentioned that because a lot of people, like you said, like to get stuck on the details. Like, oh, yeah. they're doing this and that. and that. No, there should be only one thing that we're here for. I could give two shits whether they're in a robe or not. What I, what <laughs> I'm here to see what the hell um, policies are going to get passed that affect my children. Right. Absolutely. I mean, and we even have someone in the chat room, my friend Gabriel Brown from Weird Change in New York City and uh, NADA and Y. Uh, he, he claimed, you know, he's standing here that it was spoken about in the 1980s that uh, things such as the Manhattan Project were formulated at, at the Bohemian Grove. Um, and this was covered in, in uh, you know, in ABC News and, and NBC News. So this, you know, it's been discussed in the past here and there, but it seems to have a blackout of, of, of you know, but such as the Bilderberg Group, things like that. But they, they get exposed here and there, but they, they seem to, to get, you know, thrown back into the darkness after a while, and no one pays attention to it. And, you know, just like Cindy said, they, you know, it's just like the CFR, the Council of Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission. Um, you know, it's just like any other group of individuals who get together and, and make these decisions that affect us that's why we need to be there to to uh, to expose these people and, and uh, let them know that uh, we're not going to stand for it. And I totally agree. For I, I was kind of surprised to to hear, you know because she's kind of soft spoken. I was kind of I was kind of surprised to to hear her stating you know in plain words. You know I thought she was going to say it a little nicer, but she said it just hardcore. The system needs to collapse, and that necessarily might not be a bad thing, which I totally support and I agree with. Look at what just happened in Iceland. And now they're better yeah. than ever. They're better than before. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, that's Cindy Sheehan for you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like we've come to the conclusion of, of the show. I'd like to thank Miss Cindy Sheehan for coming on to our show today and, and, Absolutely. and uh, putting it up with us. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy Sheehan. Absolutely. Uh, any closing statements, Eric, well, before we uh, vamos? I would just like to... Let our listeners know that um, beside, um, you know, the caliber of guests that we 
have on, on, on guerrilla activism radio, including Cindy Sheehan, Harry Fear, Adela Rohena, you know, local activists. We are going to delve into many more very powerful topics. We're going to be having uh, one discussion on 9-11 coming up, a show. Another show we'll be dealing with is health and nutrition, all different aspects of health and nutrition. We have a very special guest also coming up, um, Sarah Flounders, who is the uh, one of the co-organizers for a group here in, based in New York. It's called the International Action Center. And the founder of that is, is a former U.S. Attorney General. His name is Ramsey Clark. He just celebrated his 85th birthday. And uh, Sarah and I both attended his, his 85th uh, birthday celebration up at Riverside Church. It was a huge gala event. And uh, we'll talk about that when Sarah's on. So uh, that's all I wanted people to know. We have some great uh, guests coming up and some, some very surprise guests that, that Miguel and myself are working on. So, you know, please send your suggestions and comments and keep them coming. That is correct, ladies and gentlemen, for Guerrilla Activism Radio. My name is Miguel. Have a good night. Take it easy and enjoy. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.